seated. Amen. Good morning. We're so very glad to have you all with us this morning. It's great to see you and be together to fellowship, encourage one another, and also to worship God together. And uh, we're so very glad to have our members here, our visitors, as well as those joining us online. And we thank you so much for being with us. We're in Romans chapter 12 today and uh, getting near the end of the letter. 9 through 11 are heavier chapters, but in chapter 12, Paul takes a turn. By this time in the letter, Paul has, he's really redefined uh, who the people of God are. And in chapters 1 through 11, he's redrawn the boundaries that define who God's people are. That God's people are no longer the 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 nation of Israel, the Jewish people, the ethnic Jewish, religious Jewish people, but now God's people are made up of both Jews and Gentiles, meaning of all people. It's no longer, God's people is no longer those who obey the old law of Abraham and follow the old covenant, uh, or those who can claim to be descendants of Abraham. Uh, Now God's people, who are Christians are those who have put their faith in Jesus. And that's what he spent these last few chapters, really building up to uh, chapters 1 through 11, building up to this. And so Paul's writing, you have to kind of know his writing, and it helps you see where he's going and what, how he writes, what he's about. It helps you even have a greater appreciation for uh, the letters that God inspired through him. Because Paul could soar to these lofty theological heights, couldn't he? Where, where it's just, he's, he's just beyond the peak of what we can comprehend. It starts to hurt, doesn't it, sometimes? And trying to understand Paul and wrap our minds around everything. But the thing with Paul is he always ends up with his feet on the ground firmly planted where we are, where we live, and he makes practical application. So that's common in Paul's letters. He'll go, he might go way up here because he's explaining some big important things and they shouldn't be ignored and we should study those. But then he says, okay, here's what it looks like down on the ground. Let's land the plane and talk about it down here where you live. See, Paul doesn't just teach doctrine. He teaches us how to live out our faith. He doesn't uh, just care about what we believe. He cares about how we live. And he says, is important, but how you live is just as important. So right belief goes along with right action. For him, they go hand in hand, and therefore uh, they should with us. So let's look at Romans 12, and we'll look first at verses 1 through 2. We can look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 and they're like the big headline in the newspaper article, in the the article online, the the headline of the entire article. And and verses 1 through 2 are the headlines
It gets real practical and it's going to provide us with a lot of examples. We're going to take some time in verses 1 and 2 though. And Paul writes, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what I, as I said, the, the, the basis of 1 and 2 uh, are the, you know, they're the foundation of everything throughout the chapter. So in 1 and 2, Paul begins by saying, in light of or because of, or the NIV says, in view of God's mercies, the mercies that God has shown us. Now the NIV, though, translates it mercy, singular, but the Greek is plural. It's not just one uh, act of mercy or one demonstration of God's mercy, but it's all of the mercies. Well, what mercies? All of the mercies he just walked through in chapters 1 through 11. God's love for us, God's forgiveness, His salvation, His inclusion of all people who put their faith in Christ into his, his body, His people, His church. So he said, everything to do with God, all of His mercies, in light of that, in, with, with that in mind, with all those mercies in mind, with those in view is what He's saying. And He says, considering everything God has done for us, present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. Does that make sense? So he's not just saying present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He's, he's saying reflect on what we just talked about in chapters 1 through 11 and all that God did for us to save us out of His love, to forgive us, to engraft those who were outside of my people, the Gentiles, meaning all of us, and to, to love the Jewish people, to, for them to come back around to Him. Everything we read about in those first few chapters, God says, in light of that, Paul's writing, present your bodies, because of that, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. So, so Paul is reasoning with us here. Here, He's saying, he's asking, what does someone who has received God's mercies do? What they do is they present their bodies to him as living sacrifices. That's what they do. He's saying they, they live as, as holy sacrifices to God. You see, because what Paul is saying is that real Christianity isn't about serving God out of guilt or some empty sense of obligation, but out of a deep sense of want to. That's what it comes down to. It, it's, he's saying our, our, our service to God, our lives for God should be motivated by a deep sense of want to. You do pretty much what you want to do, don't you? You go and, and, and get that Big Mac because you want to. Now, sometimes you can't, but, but you pretty much do what you want to do. If you want a, 
uh, uh, go somewhere, you figure out how to do that. If you want to get something, you figure out how to do it. You pretty much do what you want to do. And, 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 and so Paul is saying Christ, real Christianity comes down to a want to. Do you want this? Because people do all kinds of things. You make decisions all the time about what you're going to do. You have a lot of freedom to do what you want to do. And, and, and Paul's saying it comes down to a want to. We ended last week reflecting on the resurrection of Jesus and all that that, that meant for us, all that that means for us, and, and how Paul ended chapter 11 praising God for all that he is, all that he has done, for, for everything that God is and does for us, praising him, worshiping him. And so in chapter 12, Paul focuses our minds on how do we live a life in light of the resurrection. So if I believe that the resurrection happened and I believe in the Christ of the resurrection and the God who raised him by his power, then how do I live my life in light of that belief? Does that make sense? And so he's saying, in view of God's mercies, live your lives, present yourself as a, holy, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You see, many words is, we should want to present ourselves as a living sacrifice because of what God has done for us through Christ. Does that make sense? We should want to because of. Do you see that? So we don't, we don't live out our faith and, and live for God because we feel guilty or because we have some empty sense of just obligation and that's what I should do or that's what's expected of me. Paul wants something deeper coming out of us. A want to because of what God has done for us in Christ. And if you'll get that want to down, if you'll get the root of that to the root of that, and if that will become just a spring of living spring of water in your life, then that solves a lot of issues in your life. Church involvement and, and being here. And, and so, so being here on Wednesday night isn't about somebody saying, well, you should be. It's a why? Because of what God did for me. Not over guilt, not over, it's because I want to. And because you feel like, I get to, I get to serve God. I get to talk to somebody about Jesus. I get to go serve and help in the community. I get to do something on behalf of Christ. I get to have that conversation with somebody. In fact, I want to have that conversation with somebody that I've been working on, that I've been praying about because of what Jesus did for me. You see, the motivation is different. And when we get that motivation down, then everything else is solved. Matt talked a lot about that in class this morning. And so Paul uses the word present, present your bodies. And present was a word that Paul intentionally used there. Because the meaning of that word, it was, it was, a, it was a technical word for them in their uh, Jewish, their Old Testament, Old Covenant sac animal sacrifices, and even in some Greek religions. 
some of the Gentile religions. So what that word meant, present, when he said that, they heard that in their language and they understood he was connecting to the Old Testament animal sacrifices because that word means to take your sacrifice and lay it up there alongside on the altar to be sacrificed. You're you're taking that animal that you brought and you're laying it, you're presenting it to be sacrificed in your worship to God. So when Paul used that word, they knew exactly what he was connecting to. They knew what he was... uh, So, see, no animal ever strolled up to the temple. Hey, here I am, sacrifice me. You see, there, there, there wasn't ever a chicken just walking around. Hey, hey, come get me. No lamb ever just said, bad, come, come get me. Put me on that altar and do what you do. No, no animal ever did that. So it's kind of, a, it's kind of a, an, an odd, a stark uh, 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 example for Paul to say that because they knew no animal ever walked up and said, use me as a sacrifice. But he's saying as a Christian, because of what Jesus has done for you, you walk up, you present yourself as a sacrifice, but not one that's going to be dead, but one who is alive in Christ. And so as you live your life, you're presenting yourself as a living sacrifice for Jesus. Does that make sense? I think that's an amazing illustration that Paul gives us there. And Paul says that this is reasonable. This is logical. This is not too much to ask. It's very reasonable to ask this and to expect this. So a lot of translations uh, use the word uh, spiritual there instead of reasonable act of worship. You might see uh, spiritual worship or spiritual service. Uh, a, the Greek word actually, it, it, it can be difficult to translate and, and there's different reasons why, but the, the, the Greek word is not related to the Greek word for spiritual. So spiritual is not the best word to have there in that phrase in, in that right there in verse number one. The proper word to have is reasonable or thoughtful. The word is actually logical. It's logical, he's saying, for you to live this way, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? Because he said, in light of, in view of God's mercies, present yourself as a living sacrifice, uh, holy and acceptable to God, this is your reasonable service or worship. Service or worship, either, either translation is fine. So he's saying this makes perfect sense. So the person who has been saved by Christ's sacrifice on the cross, you have put your faith in Christ. God has showered his mercies on you. You've turned your life to Christ in faith. He's saying it, it makes sense to expect you to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He's saying this is your reasonable, logical
simply live your life and you're in the neighborhood and you're at work and you're at the store and how you live your life and play it plays out practically, which he's about to get to, is an opportunity for you to worship God. Does that make sense? So think, look at when you're in school, when you're in sports, when you're on that bus, when you're at work, when you're away on that conference, whatever it might be, you have an opportunity to worship in the way that you present your body. I think that's a powerful, powerful example that God here. Now, let's look at verse number two. Paul writes, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When I was little, I remember my mom uh, sewing dresses, making dresses for my sister. Every Easter and then all that. She did that for many years. I remember her sewing. And does any of y'all still have your sewing machines? Does anyone still sew? Uh, not as many people do that anymore, but a lot of you probably at least used to have sewing machines. And you may remember your mom sewing. And maybe you made clothes for your children or yourself. Or you made... Shirts for, I don't know. And, uh, but, but you remember how, I remember that, that pattern paper that came, in those, that came in those packets. I remember going into Cloth World in Tyler, and I could not stand going in that store because I knew it would be more fabric and more patterns. But, but I remember how my mom would make those dresses. She would put that, you know, put, attach that pattern to the fabric and then cut it out and then somehow sew it with the machine, right? You followed the pattern. If she didn't use the pattern, you weren't getting a dress. You were getting something else, a tent maybe. I don't know. And then if you've ever worked with wood, and let's say you had to make several cuts of the same thing. And so that first one, that first piece, you measure. You, you measure it twice and cut once, right? You double check it. You make sure you got it right. You double-check your angles and everything, and then you cut that wood exactly like you need it. But you need to make several more. So now you can use that one as a pattern for all your others. Does that make sense? So what Paul is saying, that we are not to pattern our lives after the world. We are to pattern them after Christ. You see, what the world wants to do, what culture wants to do, is to take you... In your life, and like Play-Doh, like kids play with Play-Doh and they cram it into that mold to make that star or to make that, that you know, animal, that dinosaur, like we do with Play-Doh. They want to cram you into a mold to press you into their pattern and make you like them. That's what the world's job is to do. And who do you think is behind all that? On Wednesdays, we're, we just begin our study on Satan's tactics, and that's what we're looking at. And so, you, you know, culture, one author described culture as the soup that you swim in. And so you can't get out of the soup. You live in it. 
And so you've got to decide, am I going to be crammed into their mold? Am I going to follow the world's patterns or am I going to follow the pattern of Christ? And Paul, when he says, do not be conformed, he's saying, don't, be, don't follow their pattern, their ways of doing things, their ways of living, their talking, their behavior, all of that, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now in verse number one, he talked about our bodies, didn't he? In verse number two, he's talking about our mind. What do you think Paul's saying? The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with what? All. That's what Paul's saying. Your whole person, your body and your mind needs to be transformed to be like Christ after the pattern of Christ. Instead of being conformed to this world, we need to be transformed. Our minds renewed are renewed when we become a Christian and then continue to be renewed as we mature in our faith. Does your mind need to be renewed? Then that means you need to be growing as a Christian. Now, let's look at verses 3 through 21 briefly. Spending most of our times on, time on verses 1 through 2, 3 through 21, just look at this list, 16 different things that Paul tells us. And this, he's brought us now to the rest of the chapter And he says, okay, now that you got that, here's some practical ways to live this out. And he's saying, just look for your daily life in here. Look at the things Paul has said. Don't think uh, too highly of yourself. Be a functioning part of the body of Christ. Use your gifts in service to God. Love genuinely, abhor evil. Uh, Kenley just talked about this a couple weeks ago. Cling to what is good. Love one another. Be zealous or fervent in the Spirit, serving God. Rejoice. Be patient. Be prayerful. Help others. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Empathize with others. Live in harmony with others. Don't be haughty, conceited, proud. Don't repay for evil, but set an example of honor among others. Uh, Be peaceful. Don't seek revenge. Let God take care of that. Don't be overcome with evil, he concludes with, but overcome evil with what? Good. He just made practical application to how we do verses 1 and 2 in light of the mercies He gave us and talked about in the first 11 chapters. Does that make sense? You see, the rest of the book, he's going to talk about practical ways to live out our faith. Here's how you live with a transformed mind. Here's how you prove. Because it's one thing to talk about the resurrection once a year and to be a CEO Christian, Christmas and Easter only, right? It's one thing to to do that. It's another thing to live it out every day, to present your body as a living sacrifice, to be renewed in your mind. And Paul is saying that we need to be focused on, because of the resurrection, a want to, to live out our faith in the resurrection, in the God of the resurrection and the Savior of the resurrection to live out that faith every day. And that's what God calls us to do. That's what Paul's talking about and gives us example after example of how to do that in our daily lives. If we can help you in your walk with God this morning, maybe you need prayers. Maybe it hadn't been too strong. Maybe it hadn't been too faithful. It's okay to ask your brothers and sisters in Christ 
to pray for you and that. That's why we're here. We're not here for us to play like we're perfect. That's not what this is about. We're here to help one another grow in our faith and get to heaven. Does that make sense? So it's okay to say, I need prayers. I need help. I need encouragement. I need someone to study with me. I have questions. I don't have it figured out. And so if there's any way we can help you, or maybe you're ready to start your walk with Christ and put on Christ in baptism this morning, this church is here for you. Maybe you're online. Reach out to us. Let us know how we can help you. If we can serve you in any way this morning, we invite you to stand as we sing. To